There is no guarantee for success, but there are ways to get closer to it when you do the right things. Who you surround yourself with is just as important as what you do. Finding the right people, the right classes, the right activities, and taking the right tests are all decisions that shape your future. Find out more today on Destination University with Dr. Cynthia Colon. Dr. Colon and her guests will give you the tips you need, whether you're a student, parent, or educator. Now, here is your host, Dr. Cynthia Colon. Ever wonder what waitlist students look like? Who are they? How could they get so close to an admit, but yet not get admitted? Here are two applicants who were waitlisted. Candidate number one. Colette applied to only one Ivy League school for her love of their writing program. She had all the numbers, high grade point average, top ranked in her class, high SAT scores, and an 800 on the writing portion of the exam. Colette had given up competing as an Irish step dancer by the end of her sophomore year and dedicated her time to writing. Miss Miller had groomed her, and by her senior year, Colette was the editor-in-chief of the school newspaper and of the literary magazine. She had found her calling and won accolades for her opinion pieces and poetry. Colette had also recently taken a liking to being part of the tech crew for the performing arts productions. So when she was not working on her novel, she, you could find her behind the stage. Teachers raved about her and sent great letters of recommendation. Miss Miller lauded, Colette is by far the best student I've had in my 25-year career as a teacher. There is no doubt that the only thin envelope that read waitlist was a shot to her ego. Candidate number two. William Friedman was from Scarsdale, New York, and attended a beautiful, sprawling campus. At first glance, William did not seem to fit the typical liberal arts applicant. He played football every fall and lacrosse in the spring. His most recent summers were spent in the city with a coveted internship with Citicorp and CBS and wrote about his experiences in his essays. His desired major was listed as economics. William was definitely a student Vassar wanted, but compared to his private school counterparts, there were others who ranked higher and showed more compelling reasons why they were a fit for our college. To add complexity to our decision was the reality of where William's parents went to school. While there was no chance of William attending Wellesley College, where his mother attended, William's father attended Brown and worked as a senior partner at McKinsey and Company. Nearly every applicant in Vassar's pool also applied to Brown, and William was certainly no exception. At the end of the day, our office bet on the likeliness that his legacy status at Brown would win him an acceptance letter, and William would ultimately choose to follow in his father's footsteps. He received a waitlist letter from Vassar. One of these students was ultimately admitted, and one was not. Well, hello, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Cynthia Colon, TEDx speaker, college admission strategist, and author of the book, Be Committed, Get Admitted. Welcome to Destination University. 
We help college-bound teens create an action plan, become interesting applicants, and write essays that increase acceptance letters. We do all this through online or live group classes and private counseling. Consider me your step-by-step college admission coach and cheerleader. By being here today, you are helping to grow the community of informed families across the nation. Thank you for joining the movement. Okay. Wow. Um, I must begin by telling you that I hate weightless limbo. Honestly, if if you work with me in any capacity, uh, my goal is to help you write the best darn essays that get you admitted and throw you over the edge for a green card or that you get a red card, a deny. I rather you get denied because you didn't meet the AQs, the academic qualifications, than get a wait list. So that might go counterintuitive to what you think is the goal, but wait list just like an almost slam dunk is no dunk. And weightless limbo is, in my opinion, it's just no bueno. So when I tell the story about the red, yellow, and green cards uh, to students and to families, I talk about that in terms of the getting in part. But sometimes I don't always share that at the end of the, the road, when it comes time for May 1st, May 1st is about how many students said yes to the class, to the invitation to join the class. And so, for example, at Vassar, there were seven of us plus the dean, there were, I think, eight of us in the office. And each person has their favorite go-to waitlist kid that they're fighting for. And so if there are three spaces open in the class, in other words, we were trying to fill 640 spaces, but if 300, 637 said yes, then we had three spaces. If 642 said yes, we had no spaces for waitlist. So as you can imagine, each of us had our favorite and wanted to advocate for one or two people. And so it just like the, the odds of getting in and waitlist are really, really slim. So anyway. Okay, I digress. Let me get off my soapbox here. And I would love to continue telling telling tale, tales, but today the episode is not beyond the waitlist, but today's episode is about what you can do now to avoid the trap of being in waitlist limbo later. Okay? So <laughs> let me reel it back in for you and make this very tangible for you. Um, first of all, have you listened to episodes 23 and 24? Holy smokes. I don't know if someone's going to call me out and just say, why are you giving away our secrets? I don't know. But I have revealed a lot of stuff in the last, um, you know, behind the scenes truths, uh, episodes 23 and 24. So be sure to go back and catch those. And uh, because if you like behind the scenes scoop, you're going to love both of these episodes. So, all right. I have to just say, I'm glad I've gotten all of this off my chest and out into the world, and now you can take action. So today is going to be no different. We've talked about what colleges look for um, to meet their needs and school priorities. We talked last week about your school and how the context of your school plays a role in admissions. And now today is all about you. So today, 
we are saying today is part three, how to increase your chances now and avoid the wait list later. So today I'm going to cover the following nine topics. Visiting colleges, finding your admission counselor, college mission statements, college emails and websites, fall events and, and spring events, thank you notes, early action, early decision, the question, why this college, and essays, okay? So get your running shoes ready because we are getting on the treadmill and going fast and furious. So this is going to be good and it's going to be filled with lots of golden nuggets tucked away in this episode. So be sure you're, you're ready to take notes. So wherever you are listening, um, have your phone or just a pad of paper and pen. I'm old school. I like to take notes with like colored pens. All right. So are you ready to do this? <laughs> okay. I'm going to begin by telling you that while I don't always like this fact, I need to tell you that getting on a college's email list sooner rather than later is the best thing. As soon as you give them your email for anything, you are now on their list. And so with that said, I recommend that you, the student, and you, the family, get an email address that is exclusively for college application materials. It should be an email address that the entire family will have access to. And this will make sense as I go through the list today. Okay, so get an email address that's exclusively for college materials and that everyone can have access to because parents, this is really going to be a way for you to be helpful in this process. Okay. So if you're a senior now and you're thinking, dang it, I wish I knew this before. No worries. Listen to all the tips here and just adjust accordingly. There's plenty for you here in this episode. Don't worry. Okay. So let's start by talking about visiting colleges um, and why and how this can increase your chances uh, in the admission process. So you want to get on their list. You want to see, you want to visit colleges because you want to see if you like the campus, the vibe, the students. Listen to what the, what is being said and told to you on the tour and in the information session. It's all there for you. You just have to be open to listening and hearing all of it. So you want to take notes so that you don't forget. And I mean, take notes within the first five to 10 minutes that you're done with this tour or take notes along the way. Also in another episode, I think I say, um, and I'll say it here. So on your camera roll, on your phone, wherever you're taking camera uh, pictures, take a photo of um, the name of the school. So some find some placard or the uh, front of the school where you get the name and then take your photos and then maybe have that same photo at the end so that you remember that those are the photos from that particular. I'm telling you, <laughs> they're all going to look and sound the same. They're different, but uh, it, it can be confusing. So do that. <clears throat> okay. So when you visit colleges, you get credit for being there if you've signed in and you've given them their email. So what I mean by that is sort of like, sort of just imagine that you're back when I was young in like third grade, we had a big chart for like learning our multiplications. And every time we learn like, you know, the, our multiplication ones, twos up to five, whatever, 10, I'd get a star next to my name. So just imagine you're name on a big poster. And every time you do another thing, one of these things I say to you today, you're getting another star. So it shows that you have interest in their institution. And so it's almost like you've double clicked on their Instagram photo. Okay. So you're showing interest and you get a star next to your name. 
All right. So episode 17 really talks all about visiting colleges. So refer there as to like sort of like what to do and what, you know, what exactly to do, how to, how to um, reserve a spot, etc. <clears throat> all right. Number two. Remember, these are all tips on how to increase your chances. Find your admission counselor that's assigned to you. Okay. So number one, you want to find who your admission counselor is is from each institution. So every admission office, every college, has someone that's assigned to your region and to your specific high school, meaning that that person is very likely going to be the person who's going to be reading your application. I've said many times here, my territory included California, half of Texas, all of Florida, North and South Dakota, Kansas, and Minnesota, and I might be forgetting a state or two. So that was my territory. So if you were from any of that you know, those regions and those areas, I was reading your file. Okay, number two, once you know who your counselor is, your admission counselor, I recommend sending an email to introduce yourself and ask one question related to something that you are interested in. Now, here's a secret. It doesn't even matter if that person responds because that person could be on the road, they're checking their email quickly, they may forget to respond right away and mean to, and then they get busy. So it doesn't matter, but you've put it out there. And I would, if you don't get um, a message back, I would encourage you to follow that up maybe um, two weeks later or something, maybe a month, maybe two weeks later. Okay. So even if they don't respond, send another email again. All right. So that's two and three. Tip number four, that is the person who's going to read your application. So, um, that, okay, so I've told you my territories. So that meant that in the fall and in the springtime when we were doing recruiting time, th- I was the one, one visiting those areas. And so if there was a big event for Vassar, like at a hotel or a small event at a family home, I was the one hosting those events and giving delivering the information and information sessions. So you want to just be sure that you know who it is and then make a point. Um, number five, the tip here is make a point to meet them in person if you can, and then ask a question when you are one-on-one. So if you can't get to the college, and I do not advocate for traversing the California, you know, traversing all across the country just to sort of get a star next to your name. No, you don't have to do that. To get a next a star next to your name, you can visit a college by visiting one of the events or many other ways. You can you can go online. You can visit, take a tour on camp on on the campus virtually, and again, if you've registered yourself with an email, you're going to get a star that way anyway. Okay, so finding out who your admission counselor is is again showing interest, and it's like you've double clicked on their Instagram photo, and that's going to earn you points. It's going to get you a star next to your name. Okay, now here's a real big tip: you want to get their contact information. If you meet them in person, hopefully, I think people still have business cards. Um, So just snag one of those business cards and then I would take a photo of that business card um, so that you have it somewhere um, and then file it into a little like folder in your your photos. But you want to have their information, okay? So the truth is this, while this all may seem trivial, it helps to put a face to a name. I literally met hundreds of students per week when I was traveling in the fall. So very few students stand out and even fewer would ever dare to follow up. So if you follow up with an email or a note or something in some way, that's going to go a long way. Okay. 
um, college uh, mission and vision, <laughs> mission and vision statements. Oh, Lord. Um, okay. How this can increase your chances. All right. So I did a little bit of homework for this episode. I always do homework for each episode. And, and I, I just, because I love it, because I'm such a nerd when it comes to colleges. And I wish I could just visit every college everywhere all the time. So you not, there's tip, tip number one. You want to look up the mission and vision statement. Um, and, and episode 10, Tyra Briggs, uh, the VP at Harvey Mudd, she talks about this. So the mission statement describes in a short paragraph what the college believes in, what they care about, and what they value, you know, right now, today. <clears throat> so I don't want you to spend any more than like five to eight minutes because you're going to know immediately if this is even a college that you are interested in pursuing further. So it's like, um, <laughs> it's like going on a speed date. Like you just quickly go through like, you know, some vision, uh, mission vision statements and you're going to see pretty quickly if like, actually you should do that today. Today, make it your job to like spend two minutes, pick five colleges. So spend 10 minutes and look up mission statements and you're going to see very quickly that they're different. Okay. So tip number three, uh, I know this process takes a lot of work, but if you can see yourself at this institution, you want to know which parts of you to highlight. Okay. So I don't know why I'm giving you like dating <laughs> scenarios today, but this is the best uh, metaphor I can use. Um, so for example, if you've been following me for a bit now, you know that I love sports. So when I'm out with friends or I'm out on a date, like I, if the person loves football, baseball, or soccer, I am comfortable talking about any of those sports um, and like who plays and what's happening, you know, what's the latest thing that's happening, whatever. So, but I will choose what I talk about based on the other person's interest as well. Okay. So if that person has more of an interest in baseball, then we're going to talk about baseball. Okay. Et cetera. The same is true for colleges. There are a lot of things that, that you love and you're passionate about and ha that you have interest in. But when you're talking to a college, meaning when you're through your application or meeting someone, you want to highlight or focus on the things about you that match up with the things about them that will resonate. Okay. Am I making sense? Is the dating metaphor working? I don't know. I hope it is. <clears throat> so if you find that your altruistic side aligns more with some of the colleges that have a strong service component, then I would recommend spending time talking and highlighting that part of you in that particular application. Okay. All right. So you're going to learn more. Um, uh, you're going to learn more and more about each college, the more and more homework and research that you do. So you're going to start to see how you can highlight certain things about yourself that align with their interests as well. Okay. <clears throat> so using the websites to your advantage, this helps you to know which colleges to keep on your list and which ones that you'll remove from your list. So I'm going to give you example, an example, a few examples. Cause I, again, I love, I love this. I just love this. <laughs> so um, I looked up UNLV, Santa Clara, and Cornell. So here's what they said about themselves. UNLV, different, daring, diverse. 
Our mission is for UNLV's diverse faculty, students, staff, and alumni to promote community well-being and individual achievement through education, research, scholarship, creative activities, and clinical services. Okay, that's a mouthful, but just in that one sentence, you see very quickly, they value research, scholarship, creative activities, and clinical services. Okay, you see that? And then their last sentence says, uh, by 2025, uh, UNLV will be recognized as a top-tier public university in research, education, and community impact. So there you have it. Okay, Santa Clara. Their mission, first sentence, okay, so their mission says, the university pursues its vision by creating an academic community that educates the whole person, with the Jesuit Catholic tradition, making student learning our central focus, continuously improving our curriculum and co-curriculum, etc. It goes on. It's, it's long. <laughs> but very quickly, you see it says the whole person, Jesuit and Catholic, and then continuous improvement. That's what I took away. It goes on to say that we're part of the Silicon Valley and... <clears throat> part of the, you know, the greater world. So I like that. Here's what I liked better about Santa Clara, their vision statement. It says this, Santa Clara University will educate citizens and leaders of competence, conscious, and compassion, and cultivate knowledge and faith to build a more humane, just, and sustainable world. Wow. I really liked that. It really, um, I don't know that this would be the school for me specifically, but I could think of a lot of students who would really fall in love with sort of what this is, uh, this more humane and sustainable world. And don't get me wrong, I, I value those things in my life. I just don't know that for me that that would be something that I would want as an undergrad. But I love Santa Clara, love the president of Santa Clara, have met him. The campus is gorgeous. Same with UNLV. I was really impressed with UNLV. Okay. I don't do research on schools typically that I don't like, right? Or I don't highlight them. If I don't find that I don't like them, I probably don't highlight them. Okay, so Cornell. Learning, discovery, engagement. Cornell is a private Ivy League university and the land-grant university for New York State. Cornell's mission to discover, persevere, and disseminate... Oh, I'm sorry. Cornell's mission to discover, preserve, and disseminate knowledge to educate the next generation of global citizens and to promote a culture of broad inquiry throughout a throughout and beyond the Cornell community. Okay, anyway, it goes on. It's a little bit long as well. Um, although this, hmm, it says here at the last sentence, it says Cornell also aims through public service to enhance the lives and livelihoods of students, the people of New York, and others around the world. Okay, so um, first of all, I love uh, learning, discovery, and engagement. I love those three words. And then here's what I also take away. It's, it's making its claim as an Ivy League institution, but it also says we are the land-grant university for New York State. And if you do a little bit of homework, it's really kind of, uh, if I remember correctly, it was founded as a public institution. Um, and then I love that it sort of reconnects there. So it says New York right there. It's claim, you know, that it's serving the, the state of New York. And then it loops back to that same notion at, again at the very last sentence where it says um, that it um, enhances the lives and livelihoods of students, the people of New York, and others around the world. So 
Um, anyway, that I love. Now, I happen to love um, Cornell's business school. So I, that's uh, something that really resonated with me. So I would, of these three, I would probably apply to UNLV and Cornell. I might apply to Santa Clara because I'm also Catholic, but it probably, um, the other two just steal my heart. Okay, so that is how you want to use and leverage the websites for the schools. You want to do your homework so that you become more and more familiar with who they are so that you know what to highlight on that speed date. Okay, again, I apologize for the dating metaphors today, but that's the mood I'm in today. So there you have it. (laughs) Okay, so number four, let's talk about college emails and communication. Now, parents, listen up. This is really this part is really great for you. So I'm going to talk about why and how um, these communications can increase your chances in the admission process. <sighs> okay, so one, this is really a job for a parent for sure. I mean, it, this can be for a student too. But remember, I told you about getting a family email that was just for college materials. Okay, so I'm going to just say this because I have to, it's my job to do this. I'm trying to help you, the family. But colleges don't want me to tell you this, I'm sure. The colleges send you tons of emails and communication in the mail and email, and it gets more furious, fast and furious, as you become a senior in high school, you know, junior and senior. So when they're sending you emails, you want to be sure to open the emails. And this is usually too much for a teenager to keep up with and school and co-curriculars and applying to college, et cetera, et cetera. So have mom or dad do this. You must open the emails. Do not delete them. You want to open the emails. You want to click on a few things. You want to open the emails. You want to click on a few things. I'm repeating myself, I realize, but I need this to be drilled in your head. This is going to show interest, okay? So they're sending you communication. They're engaging in a conversation with you. And if you delete the email, it's like hanging up, okay? If you open the email and don't click on anything, it's like picking up the phone and hanging up, okay? So engage. Show a little bit of engagement. And this is a job, mom and dad, for you, okay? So when you show engagement and you click on something in that communication, then it's like giving a heart in Instagram, okay? Um, Spending a little bit of extra time on that website or that click or whatever they've clicked on you is like giving a comment to that Instagram photo, all right? So moral of the story, if it's an email, open it, click on something in that email and stick on there for a few minutes at least, okay? All right, there you go. The truth is that many colleges are taking note of how often you open their emails or how often you visit their website and how often you engage with them in any capacity. So I don't like it, um, but it's part of the truth. It helps them determine how interested you are. And again, to go with the dating metaphor, you know, the more you return calls, the more you text, or the more you heart and like something, the more likely you're getting going to get an invitation to the dance, right? So that's what you're trying to get is really an invitation to the dance, an invitation to become part of their community. So you want an invitation to that dance floor. And the best way to do that is to show interest. All right. Number five fall events so events in general I put here fall events but like 
um, recruiting season for admission. So remember I've said in the other behind the scenes, you know, January is like all about reading and February we're in committee and then March is all about, you know, sending letters. And then uh, April, I didn't say this, but April is spent basically with all of those students that we've admitted, or um, I say we, as so when the, the colleges um, spend April uh, trying to get students to say yes. And then we go right back to recruiting. So April begins the recruiting season for the following year. So it closes the loop on the current uh, recruited recruited class and opens the loop for the next recruiting class. So April, May is the spring of recruiting season. So if this is a top choice uh, college for you, you want to register and get to an event if you can. It's an, it could be an evening event, a college fair, um, a visit to your school. In the spring, it tends to be more college fairs um, and evening events, um, maybe a case study event at your school. And in the fall, it tends to be visits to your school, definitely evening events, um, and some college fairs um, happen in the fall as well. Okay. So I want to encourage you when you get there to ask a question. I'm going to say this, and it sounds a little crazy, but even if you know the answer to a question, you should have a sort of a set of you know, five, six questions that you're always asking um, because asking questions just shows interest. It's like making eye, eye contact, okay? Just, it just shows that you are engaged. Um, you want to personalize the visit when you go and again, asking questions or engaging in some kind of conversation whenever you can. If there's a form for you to fill out at the, the booth at the college fair, fill it out. Um, if, you know, if that, if that school is a top choice for you, engage in a, in a short conversation. So again, this shows interest and helps your chances later. Again, you're getting another star next to your name by attending a, an event that's local to you. And again, I do not recommend spending a ton of money on traversing the plains of the United States. You get to an event that's local to you and easy to get to. Okay, number six, thank you notes. So I have said this again and again because most, most people don't write thank you notes, let alone most teenagers don't write thank you notes, handwritten notes. So... If you're following the theme here today, it's that you, it's so it's that you are showing interest. Okay, that's the theme for today. If you if you show interest, they're going to show interest back. If they're showing interest, you show interest back. Vice versa. Okay. So if you understand that concept, then you now understand why I'm recommending a thank you note. A thank you note really takes the relationship a step further. You're saying, "Wow, I mean, I, I don't usually write thank you notes, but." I'm writing one to you because I really enjoyed meeting you at that fair and I really got to understand why Santa Clara is really for me. I mean, I want to help um, the world, make the world a better place, not only spiritually, you know, and, and, uh, but literally and with sustainability in mind, something like that, you know? Okay. So um, that's maybe not what a teenager would say, but, but you get my drift. Okay. All right. So that's a thank you note. All right. Let's talk about the question, why this college? So when applying to, you know, with your applications, and if you're using the common application or coalition application, you'll see that there's the personal statement that's 500 to 650 words. 
And then you're going to have supplemental essays that come along with each of the colleges you're choosing to apply to. Many, I would say most of those colleges are going to have um, a short answer question. And many, if not most, will have a question that asks you to say, why are you applying to our college? Why specifically are you applying to our college? And so again, if you followed my steps here in this episode, and what I preach about all the time is really get to know, do your homework, do your homework. So if you visited the campus, you visited the website, you understand the mission and values, you've decided this is a place for you, then the natural next step should be easy, which is answering this question. So many teens ask, well, how do I answer this question? But again, you've been dating now for a bit. You know that this college likes football more. This college likes baseball more. And this college likes soccer more. Okay, I'm just using myself as an example. So for each college, you're going to highlight something slightly different. Those are all things about you and things that you love. But you're going to put a slightly different spin on each one, depending on which college you're applying to. Okay, so if you've done all those, you know exactly what to write about. More importantly, it should be extremely clear why you like this college, okay? And so once you find that, you're going to write about that, okay? If you really get it right, and you get it right for the right reasons, this little tiny essay is going to be golden, okay? All right. Oh, I don't know how else to say that. I feel like, hmm, I feel like I should say more about that, but I, I'm at a loss right now, but Again, to use the dating metaphor, figuring out what they like and where that aligns with what you like, that's the intersection. That's the crossroads and that's the golden nugget that you want to take away and that's what you want to write about. Okay. All right, let's talk about early action and early decision and how and why this can increase your chances in the admission process. I'm going to take a big gulp right here because I don't always love talking about this um, because because it's 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 one of the parts of the college admission process that I don't completely love. But I'm gonna get let you in on a little secret. Colleges use early action and early decision to fill much of the freshman class. So it typically leaves little room for the remaining number of seats left to fill in regular decision. I want to encourage you to ask this question to your admission counselor, your admission officer, if you're on, whether you're on campus or at a fair. I want to encourage you to ask this question. It's going to feel uncomfortable and awkward, but here's the question. What percent of the freshman class is filled with early action or early decision? Now, depending on what school you're sitting at, you're going to ask the right question, right? Early action, early decision. This is going to make the admission officer feel a bit uncomfortable and probably not know exactly how to answer it right away. So they may stumble and fumble over their words. Hopefully not. Hopefully they're just upfront about it and they don't hide it. But ask the question anyway, because you need to know. Because for some colleges, the answer might be 40%. But for others, the answer might be 70%. It's not many, but it's some. So let me say that again. With early action or early decision, 
some colleges are filling their freshman class by 40% or 70%. Okay, so let's just sort of unpack what I just said. If a college is trying to bring in a freshman class of 1,000 students and they fill 40% of the class with early applicants, that means that 400 spaces are already taken before regular decision applicants even apply. Okay, that's even more specifically true at an early decision school where everybody who is admitted in early decision basically says they're coming. So a school, imagine a school that's admitting, accepting, or or I should say filling the freshman class by 70% with early applicants. That means that 700 spaces are filled with early applicants before regular decision um, applicants have even applied, okay? I'm gonna just say that and leave that alone, okay? So, why does this matter to you? I want you to do the math. The majority of applicants will apply in regular decision where there are fewer spaces available. And the reverse is true. A smaller applicant pool applies early in the early pool where for some colleges, that is where most of the spots are going. So I'm going to leave that on the table. You can fill in the blanks. I'm not going to say anymore. It makes me uncomfortable because it's just a sad truth. Okay. By the way, I usually always say um, that what I love about the University of California system and USC, at least so far, is that both of um, these organizations do not do early decision or early action. So all students apply at the same time and all students get the decision at the same time. And so that's what they're doing. They're filling their class that, that, you know, I think USC was at like 13% acceptance rate this year, maybe even less. That's a real number. That's a real true number of what, you know, what, how many applicants they're admitting um, from among their pool. They do not use early decision to fill their spaces. Okay. Same is true for UCs. All right. All right. Moving on. I'll get off my soapbox. Um, Number nine, essays. Why and how this increases your chances. So in short, here's the deal. AQs versus PQs. AQs, academic qualities, get your foot in the door. They give you the luxury of where you're going to be able and eligible to apply. But it's the PQs, personal qualities, that will actually get you admitted. That's actually what helps you to stand out. And the PQs are found, obviously, in the essays. The essays are not an English paper or a regurgitation of the resume. So the essays are meant to reveal things about you that we cannot find anywhere else in your application. Okay. So I want you to also know that the topics that you're choosing to write about probably nothing you come up with is unique or different. The topic itself, okay? So it's really hard to stand out just by saying, I'm going to find this crazy topic to write about. It's not about the topic you choose. It's much more about how you choose to talk about your topic, okay? So this is why I love, this is why I believe in the essay camp so much that we do. And and of course now it's closed for the summer, but um, you can certainly get on my wait list for the, for the fall. But 
Here's the thing. There is a way to write the college admission essay with integrity, where you it's your own story, it's your own words, it's your own voice. But the key really is to keep drafting, 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 drafting. And don't give up after one or two drafts. Drafts one and two will not increase your chances of getting in. The gold is really found in drafts four to eight. So the best advice I can give you is to listen to episodes 17 and 19. But it's also the reason that I talk about my essay process and my method in a four-step process. Because by the time you get to step four, or if you're taking a live class, it's usually day four. By the time you get to day four, you have drafted at least four times on that same topic. And finally, like in draft three, draft four, draft five, that's really where the just the amazing stuff starts to happen. So in another episode, probably soon in September, I will do an episode that's just basically to share with you some of the essays that have stood out from the summer boot camps because um, it's their words. And they, to see them go from draft one, day one, to draft four, um, day four, or step one to step four is pretty, pretty amazing. Okay. All right. So um, how does this matter in increasing your chances? Remember what I told you, I don't like waitlist limbo. It's no bueno for anyone. So in order to avoid waitlist, you've got to, you know, get to writing your essays that are interesting, engaging, and compelling. You want to give the, re- the reader a reason to fight for you if they have to. So remember through these three episodes, the behind the scenes truths, I've talked a lot about waitlist. And I've talked a lot about sort of the red card, the green, the red card, the yellow card, and the green card. Um, red being deny, a deny vote, a yellow being a waitlist vote, and a green being an admit. So I also mentioned that sometimes students are voted as green and they're admitted, but then we have to go back and we have to move some kids from, from some applicants from the green cards to the yellow cards. So in that situation, that's exactly what I'm sharing with you. In that situation, you want to, in your essays, give me a reason so that if I have to go back to folders and find students to cut from the admit list to move them to wait list, if I don't see any notes from the first time I read your application, in other words, if I don't see any notes from the first time I read your application that I wrote something sort of pretty compelling or something interesting, then when I go back to your folder and I'm looking for who is going to stay on the greens and who's going to move to the yellows, I'm not likely to go get dig deeper um, or back again. So you want to give the reader a reason to fight for you if ever they're in that situation that they have to fight for you to keep you on the green list, okay? So your essays are the best way to do that so that the first time they read your application, they are really writing some things that really jump off the page to them and make you stand out the first time. Okay, so (laughs) um, I know this is brutal, (laughs) this is brutal, but this is why the series is called Behind the Scenes. Um, It should maybe be called, you know, the brutal truth and nothing but the truth. So anyway, um, I like to give you the real deal so that you know what you're up against and mostly so that you can take action. So today I've given you really um, 
tips and strategies of how you can, what things that you can do now so that you can increase your chances of being admitted um, and so that you can avoid wait lists later. Again, my goal with when I work with students is how can I help you best leverage everything that you have so that you ha- increase your chances, maximize your choices at the front end, you avoid wait list, and I much rather you s- see you get denied, a straight deny so there's no question. Um, and hopefully that deny came from, you know, just there were just more you know, qualified kids or your AQs didn't, didn't, didn't really match up or something like that. Um, so anyway, there you have it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wow. Okay. So you want to know what happened with Colette and William. Here is the result. Okay. So let's start with Colette, candidate number one. So she's the one that had applied to one Ivy League school um, because of their program in writing. And then she was waitlisted. She was off the charts star student. And so as her admission, as her college counselor at at the school, at the high school, I called the admission office and I asked, you know, was there anything that she could do? And the admission officer offered that just a year before she might not have been overlooked, but they had seen such an increase in applications. And she also agreed that there was something great about um, her application and, um, you know, but there was maybe something just a little bit missing. I don't know. And so I delivered that message to Colette and gave her some enthusiastic um, pointers at what she might do. So anyway, um, the admission officer had said, have her write something, you know, why it's her first choice and anything else that she has contributed since the time of her application. So when I went to Colette, I was super excited. I was hopeful, like, you know, this admission officer had remembered her application and everything. And when I said this to Colette, she wanted none of it. If they could not see how fabulous she was in the first round, she was not going to put up a fight. The shot to her ego was the bullet she accepted as her fate. And she walked away from an opportunity that I was giving her. And she said, nope, I, you know, I'm I'm good. And so she thanked me for the encouragement, but she went on to become a wildcat at Northwestern in Chicago. So that's what happened to Colette. So I did tell you already at the beginning that one of them was was ultimately admitted, taken off the wait list, and one was not. So you can guess what happened to William. But here's the story. So... What was not apparent uh, to, to us at Vassar was the fact that Vassar was indeed William's first choice. Billy, as he preferred to be called, had followed in his father's, his father's advice and in academics and co-curricular choices. Instead of football, Billy longed to be on stage. He had he'd finally quit lacrosse and was currently in the spring musical. Billy planned to major in economics while also being part of the performing arts department. After receiving his thin envelope, Billy wrote the most incredible letter to our office with a new unfolding of who he was, who he aspired to become, and how he would learn from his peers at Vassar. Whatever held him back from sharing his true passions in his application was now set free. It was clear that Billy was not his father and now gave me a reason to fight for him. Before the end of May, Billy was offered and accepted 
his spot at Vassar. All right, that is all I have for you today, my friends. Thank you for tuning in to Destination University. I'm Dr. Cynthia Colon. If this episode has in any way fueled or inspired you, please share this episode with three people in the next 30 minutes. Okay, so before I let you go today, do you know the story of how I got admitted to college? Honestly, if it wasn't for my mother taking me to meet Mr. Vargas, I'm not sure where I'd be. He told me what to do, how to fill out my application, and encouraged me that I could go to college. Well, that's all I needed. Today, my only goal in life is to become the Mr. Raul Vargas for millions of students across the country, just like he was for thousands at USC. Why do I do this? Because I believe that public school students deserve private school advice. And trust me, I've seen a thing or two on the private side. So we are on a mission to give away 1 million eBooks to your families or people that you know. I want you to think about who you know that maybe is a PTA mover and shaker, a school district leader. Um, I want you to think about organization change makers. And then you want to really ask them to register for the 1 million free books giveaway. Or better yet, you can probably actually just go in and nominate them yourself or send them the link. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the website, drcynthiacolon.com. Let me spell that for you. D-R-C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-C-O, like Larry, O-N, like Nancy, dot com, forward slash the number one capital M like Mary or million, followed by the word free books. That's drcynthiacolon.com forward forward slash one M free books. Okay. It's easy to sign up and we will do the rest. Literally students and parents will have access to download either the English or the Spanish version or both of the book, be committed, get admitted. And it will be followed by a series of strategic tips and practical to-dos as they read the book. Imagine having the gift of a personal guide every step of the way. So again, go to the registration page yourself to nominate the school district or organization. And it's drcynthiacolon.com forward slash one capital M free books. That's one million free books. There you go. Be sure to register today. I'll be sure to see you next week, same time, same place. Until then, wherever you are, may you have a happy and sunny day. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening this week to Destination University. Be sure to join Dr. Cynthia Colon again and get one step closer to your success. 